This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claggett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Claggett of Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing this evening? You know, I had a whirlwind week. I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma and back Thursday and Friday. Oh my goodness. So yeah, it was wild, but I'm here and I'm happy to be here. This is always energizing. And without a cup of coffee either. That Yeah. That's well, impressive. You know, I'm coming down off the high. There you go. <laughs> Tulsa will do that to you. Well, Nicole, let's get into the topic uh, of at least one of the topics of the evening tonight. And uh, you've got a special guest here on the phone and you know, we talk about in-home care and rehab and there's there's so many different facets to um, therapy and uh, and uh, receiving assistance and getting better so I know there's multiple different worlds and we're gonna focus on one in particular here yeah so um, I have the pleasure to talk to uh, Josh Cohen today and he is a founder and owner of mobile rehab and he is a physical therapist and I have known him for many many years uh, started off uh, getting to know him in Orange County and I know that folks used to talk about mobile rehab out there as like the best organization that can really solve a lot of problems for older adults in their home so true pleasure Pleasure to have you on the show today, Josh. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So, you know, a lot of times I think people think about therapy um, for an older adult as mainly done either in a hospital or actually in a facility. But the type of therapy we're going to be talking about today is actually outpatient. Yes, exactly. Well, so I started this business um, way back in 2004. And I had been working, I'm, I'm a licensed physical therapist myself, and um, I had been working in nursing homes and continuing care retirement communities and hospitals. And I saw a lot of seniors in there after they had had falls. And I can just basically say no one enjoys being in those facilities and everyone wants to stay home if they can. Mm-hmm. And I was just always thinking as a physical therapist, I'd love to be able to work with these patients earlier to show them what they could do to stay out of those places so that they never had to end up with a fractured hip or losing their independence and having to move to a nursing home or an assisted living facility. So that was the whole idea behind mobile rehab is to keep seniors home longer, independent and safe. And, you know, I think uh, from what I've seen over the, I won't say how many years I've been in this industry, is that there really has been an evolution in outpatient physical therapy in the home, especially, I would say, over the last 10 to 15 years. Yes, it's sort of cutting edge, I guess as cutting edge as physical therapy gets, Um, (laughs) but it's coming up with new ways of providing the care to those who need it most. And it's really... Also, a reflex to the changes that occurred in the industry where um, a lot of the bigger companies started seeing more and more patients Mm -hmm. in the clinic settings, and a lot of physical therapists didn't love that model because they couldn't deliver the one-on-one care that they really wanted to provide, and and the patients were starting to just be passed along from therapist to assistant or whatever. So I developed this model also be sort of like a haven, maybe that's overstatement, but for to, to be a relief for physical therapists so they can provide the one-on-one care to seniors 
and to be able to start a treatment episode and follow that patient all the way through to the end um, is, is a great thing for physical therapists because it's, it's really an ideal work atmosphere for the therapist and it's an ideal place to provide treatment for the patient. So it's like a win-win for everybody. I, I would I would completely agree. And, you know, I think one of the sort of deficits in our healthcare system is that um, to no fault of, you know, the organizations that folks are placed in is that when they are in a short-term rehab stay and then suddenly they're sort of springboarded out of that building into their home, while there are some visits to see kind of like what the home environment's like, it pr- trying to continue to rehab in your home after being in a short-term rehab stay can bring on some challenges that can be quite a surprise to that individual and that family caregiver. Totally. And that's a huge issue that we're trying to um, we're trying to work on as well, sort of like those gaps in care continuity. Like even if the person comes out of the hospital and gets home health for a while, the goal of home health therapy is to get the person not homebound anymore. So when that person is up and walking and able to get in their car to go to the clinic, then they discharge the person. Um, but then the person may or may not follow through and go to the clinic, or they might go to the clinic for a little bit and find out it's too much of a hassle to keep on going there, and they stop going, and then they're sort of on their own, and the next time someone sees them is maybe when they have a fall and go to the ER again. Definitely. So that's, that's where we try to step in. Um, well, hopefully we get them before they go to the hospital in the first time, but even if they have been um, seen by home health and discharged, we can continue working with them in the convenience of their home and get them to a higher level. Because um, to get a little bit technical, we work with them under Medicare Part B, mm-hmm. and home health is Medicare Part A. And under Part B, we can try to get them to a much higher level of function. So we can work with them on things like, um, like car transfers, mobility outside of their house, uh, I had a therapist once that even went with the patient to the grocery store to help them work on tasks there. Um, we can really help them reintegrate back into their daily life so they can get to the level that they actually need to be able to function independently. That's awesome. So, so I thanks. know, speaking of the home and, and actually even sort of your conversation about mobility outside the home, there are some general places that are pitfalls in the home for very common slips, trips, and falls for older adults. And quite frankly, my daughter fell in the shower uh, about a week ago and actually knocked out two of her front teeth. Luckily, they were baby teeth. So, I mean, it doesn't matter what size you are. We all know bathrooms are dangerous. But if you wouldn't mind, let's talk a little bit about what the family caregiver and the older adult who may be listening today could do in their home to really help mitigate some of those risks for a fall. I will tell you that about a week and a half ago, my six-year-old daughter fell in the shower and knocked out two of her front teeth. And while they're baby teeth, thank goodness, um, you know, showers are risky for everybody. It doesn't matter what age you are. Uh, Clearly, that was a reminder to me of, wow, okay, (laughs) we all can take a big fall in the shower. And that was that was quite a scene. So um, what can we do in the home? Well, I guess I'll start with the shower. Um, (laughs) Let's see, grab bars. Um, Even in my house, I have grab bars and I use them a lot. I love them. (laughs) There's nothing (laughs) wrong with them and they're not just for old folks. Right. Um, And um, making sure that your shower has a non-slip surface on the bottom. They do sell some uh, plastic type things, lots of different options to create a non-slip shower bottom. Um, 
just make sure you clean them and dry them out well. And, and yeah. they make shower chairs mm-hmm. that can go in the shower. They also make shower benches so that you can sit down outside of your shower and then slide on into the shower, putting one leg over at a time. Um, I'm sort of an inventor myself, and so I love the fact that if you're having an issue at home, like getting in and out of the shower, just Google it because someone has thought of a solution for most things. That's a true and, story. <laughs> yeah. Like, like they, I'm sure you know they make suction cup grab bars nowadays, which mm-hmm. work pretty well if they're installed appropriately. And yeah, but um, so that there's a lot of neat solutions, and I enjoy helping folks try to figure out what works for them in their house best. So but in I'm, other areas of the house, I was going to say I have a mother-in-law who puts uh, throw rugs on top of rugs. It's a mystery to me, but <laughs> I don't think she wants to vacuum that one spot. And, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, people fall on throw rugs a lot and they trip. Even if you use a walker, they can trip up the wheels or trip you up with if you're even if you're using a cane. So I recommend that people pick those things up right away, even though they might be beautiful. And I hate to tell people to put them away, but it's not worth the risk. And then making sure that your walkways are well lit having night lights like i think every i'm going to say everybody gets up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom <laughs> and you want to make sure that you have a well lit lit well lit walkway um that's free of debris and things that you might trip on if you have a little pet i've read suggestions to put a little bell around your pet so you know if your pet's getting close to you so you don't fall over your cat or your dog um these are great ideas wear shoes in your house um, for lots of different reasons. So I used to recommend to wear slippers in the house, but then I recently read some research that said the best footwear to wear is supportive flat-soled footwear Mm. that actually has a good hold on your foot because it improves your balance. Mm -hmm. And if people wear slippers, especially the ones that you just shove your toes into the toe cap, um, they they don't work well to improve your balance. And sometimes patients end up walking more, dragging their toes along to always push their toes into the front of the slipper, which is dangerous if you don't pick your toes up when you're walking because you're more apt to fall on the little things like the throw rugs. So, Josh, um, you know, we have just a little bit of time left here, and I really want folks who are listening to hear more about how to get a hold of you, how to get a hold of your company. And if you could just give a couple of quick examples of what some qualifying events to actually trigger uh, a person to be able to use your services, that would be great. Sure. Well, we do work with a lot of um, folks who are at risk for falls. So, like, here's some questions that people can ask themselves if, to find out if they're at risk for having a fall. Have they had a fall in the last year? Do they ever feel unsteady when walking? Are they worried about falling? Do they need to push with their hands when they go from sitting to standing? Because that shows that they have a lot of leg weakness. And do they have trouble stepping onto a curb? So I have a feeling that a lot of people would answer yes to that. And I just want to get the word out there that there are definitely things that people can do to help reduce the risks of falling. And even if they do have a fall, it's, it's been shown to reduce the, the severity of injury after a fall. By Thank you so much. With physical therapist. Thank you so much. You're Joshua welcome. Cohen, founder Thank of you. 
Joshua Cohen, founder of Mobile Rehab. You can find more about him online. MobileRehabNC.com is the website. MobileRehabNC.com. You can also call 919-636-2423. 919-636-2423. Joshua, thank you so much for your time this evening. You're welcome. Thank you. A quick break and back, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about Transitions Life Care at Transitions Life Care. Org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we uh, we had a fascinating discussion earlier, but we're going to switch topics here a little bit. And, you know, one of the recurring themes on this show is just the, the importance of the role of the community. And um, one thing that we haven't explored as much is the role of the faith community. Indeed. And I always appreciate the opportunity to talk about this topic because it really is a very much important topic, but it's also something that I think oftentimes people don't think about. And we have a very storied and esteemed gentleman here with us that he talked to us a little bit about actually his, he's actually recently received an award for his work in the community. And this is uh, Bishop Dr. Kenneth Curry, and he is uh, the president and founder of New Horizon Christian Ministries. Welcome. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. I'm very happy to be here with you today. And, uh, you know, I've been to a lot of your uh, caregiver summits, and they've just been so so phenomenal. And the information is, is well needed in the community. So you have received an award for your service to the community from uh, President Barack Obama, correct? In uh, 2016, I received a Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award from uh, President Barack Obama. It was not expected, but uh, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, to have that recognition. That is amazing. I was reading all about that after we, you and I connected at the Caregiver Summits, and you have, uh, you're a very humble gentleman, but you have done amazing work uh, in, our, in our country and really, frankly, across the world. So I appreciate your efforts. A lot of people don't realize, uh, you know, they look at me today and don't realize that uh, at a point in my life, I was homeless. Mm. And so, you and I, I've seen from the bottom up the impact of, of what can be done uh, on those levels to try to help our communities. And so, you know, uh, my motto is if you want to see the difference, be the difference. Mm-hmm. So you have a very special place in your heart for really underserved populations such as the homeless and such as older adults, which we're going to talk about today. Amen. Uh, I'm, I'm just an uh, advocate for uh, the seniors ministry. If you look into uh, other countries, uh, their seniors are being well preserved. They preserve the knowledge and wisdom. And sometimes we forget, and I think that has had the greatest impact on our culture. Because when we were coming up, mm-hmm. as you know, grandma and granddad were yeah, in the deal. home. Yeah, they, yeah. You know, they kept the home together, and, mm-hmm. and the morals and values were preserved. And I, I think that's 
something that's kind of being lost in our, our generation. It definitely is. And unfortunately, you know, the pendulum tends to swing from one way to another. And we are truly, in the U.S., I'll make a generalized statement. I'm not saying this is everybody, but we're really a throwaway society. I mean, everything is, you know, made cheaply, and then we just toss it away. And, you know, and I, and I sometimes fear that the way we look at our older adults is they gave what they gave to build our country. And then when they're no longer, you know, useful in a work productive manner, it's sort of like, they're tossed away. And that truly breaks my heart. And it's one of the big reasons why I'm such an advocate for older adults. And so I really think that there probably is a bigger role that the faith-based community and the churches can play towards our seniors and really making them feel more connected to the community. Would you agree? Absolutely. Uh, I want to uh, just throw a couple of numbers at you uh, because I looked at this in the uh, nursing home diary uh, website and uh, it tells us that 5% of the 65 and older population uh, they're forecasting that they would uh, be in nursing homes, and uh, almost 50% of the 95 and older are already in nursing mm-hmm. homes. And they're estimating with the uh, baby boomers, you have about uh, 78 million. Mm-hmm. But they're saying that uh, 3.9 million will be in nursing homes. And when you look out over the uh, the spectrum of the churches and the uh, spiritual community, uh, a lot of those people are in your churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, my thing was that, you know, we become so conservative within our churches that, you know, the seniors, most of them only end up on our sick and shut-in list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's no uh, reaches out beyond the four walls. Well, that's where our organization came in. We wanted to try to bridge the gap between the church and the nursing homes so uh, they don't become just the forgotten church. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we don't start being uh, Christians right. just because we get older. Right. Uh, those are just our special Christians. Mm-hmm. And for me, I believe that most of the wisdom is, is being locked away and and kept from the society today. That's why we have so many problems. Mm, that's that's a very interesting perspective on that for sure. And, you know, um, where I really started my career was actually working in skilled nursing facilities. And one of the things as a social worker working in those buildings is, you know, there were, it was a pretty significant percentage of folks that lived there that really didn't have any visitors, or maybe somebody just came around the holidays. And it was very hard for the folks that were working in those buildings not to judge these families for not doing this. And so I often like to say, despite it all, you know, every family, there's no such thing as a truly functional family, right? Mm-hmm. We all have skeletons in our Absolutely. closets. And so I would often often work with the um, the staff in the long-term care communities to try not to judge these families who aren't visiting because we really don't know. I mean, we see this person as they are now and can treasure and value kind of the things that they're able to do, but we don't really know what they were like as a parent or a grandparent or, or what have you. Uh, but I think it's a, a beautiful idea to, to think that, you know, the faith-based community can come around and really 
could wrap their arms around that Mm -hmm. person because truly towards end of life, older adults start to do what's called a life review and they want to talk about their stories. They want, they seek forgiveness. They they used to come to me and seek forgiveness for some of the things that they might've committed in war. And a lot of times these folks didn't have a faith-based community Mm -hmm. that they were attached to or that visited. And so they were looking at me saying, am I forgiven? And while I, you know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm not God and I'm not a pastor or a priest and I certainly couldn't, you know, say that. I would just try to comfort them during those thoughts. You know, as a, uh, a bishop in the, in the Lord's Church, uh, that gives me a, a great opportunity because, see, I can go into places and, you know, uh, most people, they immediately recognize clergy. Right. You know, a lot of times, you know, I would just uh, wear my collar just right. so that they would know that they have a spiritual presence right. that comes to. And, you know, uh, this is what our, our ministry does. Um, we go into the facilities. Uh, we are well trained. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had clinical pastoral care, as I also have uh, three doctorates. And so we go into the facility, and you know we walk through, and we make sure we, uh, we go at the appropriate time, mm-hmm. and make sure we check with the nursing staff to make sure the condition of the uh, patients that were or, or the residents that we're going to see. Uh, we would go in and just check with them, see how you're doing. Is there any prayer concerns, mm-hmm. anything like that? Um, even things as small as uh, just reading their favorite book mm-hmm. or reading a newspaper to them or, or just having a conversation with them, and they'd tell you about uh, family situations mm-hmm. and, and things that they have uh, concerns about. Sure. And so it helps to just lift them uh, into a different place. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our work that mm-hmm. we do in the community really circles around the role of the family caregiver. Absolutely. And a lot of times the family caregiver feels extremely isolated and alone, and they really feel like they are the only one on this journey that they know um, that is trying to juggle everything from their work mm-hmm. life to their family life to their loved one. And so what do you think the faith-based community can do to support that family better? Well, what we, we've done, uh, we've uh, offered uh, for the pastors to get in touch with us, and I will be uh, giving our number out so you can reach out to me. Uh, we do seminars to bring the uh, pastors and leadership. Uh, I'm sure most of them have a uh, seniors uh, branch of their church, mm-hmm. but it always helps to get better techniques because the senior population is changing all the time. But if you can get the latest techniques on reaching those with dementia and Alzheimer's, uh, you know, you can't just, oh, well, I'm going to pray for them and that's it. But we want to be able to do something to help them and contribute. We've got Bishop Dr. Kenneth Curry in the studio here, and we're talking about the importance of the faith community when it comes to caring for our seniors and for our caregivers as well. And we're going to continue that conversation right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 
Joined by Nicole Claygate from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Jason Kong here with Nicole Claggett. Special guest here in the studio is Bishop Dr. Kenneth Curry. He is with New Horizons Christian Ministries. He's the president and founder of that organization. And Nicole, we're having a conversation all about faith-based communities and the impact that they can have on our seniors and on our caregivers as well. And uh, we've, we've had a really interesting conversation so far and some interesting ideas have come out as well. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I often joke and chide in the nonprofit world when I'm trying to raise money for uh, Transitions Guiding Lights that everybody loves kids and everybody loves pets. And I've got a bunch of kids myself and I've got pets. I love them too. But it's really hard to get some attention and focus on the older adult population. And so I'm sure in our listenership, this might have sparked some like, hmm, I wonder if our faith-based community could get more involved in serving older adults. And I, no better person to ask that question to how is to uh, Bishop Curry. How would we go about uh, really inspiring that thought leadership in the faith-based community, and how might you be able to help? Well, uh, the thing is that, you know, I think uh, getting older is the last thing that a lot of people want to think about, yeah. but, you know, it, it, it's it part comes. Of life. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're thinking more of everything that's going on now. But um, those are are things that the church must tackle Mm -hmm. because we have to uh, think beyond the four walls and realize that there are people that, uh, you know, they were in our parish, they uh, paid tithes and all of those that support the church, but now they need our support in return. Um, What our uh, organization offers is that, you know, you can reach out to us and and, a number will be provided uh, you can give us a call, and, and right now I'm restructuring the website, but uh, we're going to have the website back up real soon. But we can come to your establishment and help to train uh, your um, uh, branch, your, your department, mm-hmm. in the care of our seniors because a lot of people don't know how to work with those with dementia and Alzheimer's and those are uh, very critical things that we must know as uh, caregivers. We have as much responsibility as the physical doctors, mm-hmm. but we're coming in the capacity of the spiritual. Right. Oh, the spiritual domain is just as important. And, you know, a lot of times we spend so much time and energy talking about, you know, the sum of our diseases rather than the sum of who we are. Absolutely. Many, uh, there have been many that have. Um, had uh, very uh, severe uh, illnesses, but just speaking with them and talking with them, because what I realized that throughout our lives as Christians, there are songs and scriptures that are connected to things in our life. And those have, have had uh, have dementia and Alzheimer's, they if they don't remember that. it, yep. they remember they sing every word to the hymns, Amazing Grace, right. and all of that. If they can't remember their, their names from time to time, or family, they do remember the scriptures mm-hmm. and songs because that That's was a part rooted. of their lives. Yep, definitely. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Well, thank you so much. That's Bishop Dr. Kenneth Curry with New Horizons Christian Ministries. He's the president and founder of that organization. We really appreciate you coming in this evening. Thank you so much for having me.
Well, Nicole, while we do a quick guest shuffle, we're going to also shuffle topics here again, which is uh, exciting. We've got a jam-packed show. This is this is fun. I'm telling you, what do they used to call those machines when you shuffled the music? Jukebox. Jukebox, We have yes. a jukebox show today. Yeah, we, we are on shuffle for sure in, in the jukebox. <laughs> and um, what we, we've covered uh, home therapy, physical therapy in the home. We've covered faith-based communities. And now we're going to uh, switch gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about estate organization, because this is still another important topic. It sure is. And so this is really on the other side of the spectrum of all the all the different topics that we discussed today. And uh, the, the pleasure to have with us today, Luann Caspar, and she is the owner and estate organizer for Executrixie. And that's fun to say. Let's say that three times fast. <laughs> it's just a fun little name <laughs> on a very difficult topic for people. So talk to us a little bit about uh, Luann, about your story and kind of how you founded this organization and why. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. Sure. Uh, Executrixie came from a, a sad chapter of my life. Uh, I lost both parents by the age of 31. Mm. Uh, my mother had passed away um, of a cerebral aneurysm, uh, and she didn't have any of her paperwork in order. Mm. A few years later, my father was diagnosed with cancer, and although he had all of his paperwork in order, uh, when he did pass away as an only child, I was named the executor and mm -hmm. was in charge of everything. Uh, like so many different caregivers, I had a newborn at home, and I also lived two hours away from the family home. Mm -hmm. So over the next few years, because I needed to sell the family home, um, I spent, I drove thousands of miles back and forth, spent many days away from work, and basically had all of that responsibility on my shoulders. While grieving at the same time. While grieving at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I wish... I had a service like this available to me at the time. Mm -hmm. So someone to bridge those gaps in between a lot of the tasks that need to be done, making sure that I had the right support system around me so I could have concentrated more on my grieving process. Definitely. And, you know, I recently had all of my uh, estate work reorganized, and it's it's truly not something that you think about as far as, you know, yeah, okay, I know I'm, I'm named the, the executor of my parents' will and blah, 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 and it sounds all, you know, just black and white and wonderful. But the reality of it is my mother died suddenly this past April. Um, you know, it's it's a shock, whether you're expecting it or not. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're thrown into having to cancel the water bill and providing a death certificate, have, you know, and then people mess up and they don't cancel things and you still keep getting bills. And then you get constant reminders for years of your mother or your father by getting mail about them. And, you know, no matter what you do, it just never ends. And so it can be a very, very overwhelming process for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what exactly do you do? Because I know that there are, you know, a lot of attorneys out there that kind of help with this process. And I'm not really sure, you know, does this have to be an attorney that does this process? Or, or can it be uh, more of a, you know, a business owner like yourself? And sort of what are the things that you can touch and what are the things that you can't? Mm -hmm. Well, estate attorneys definitely do play a very, very mm -hmm. vital, critical role in this process. Uh, they are going to be filing paperwork if you do have a will. Um, for the probate to begin, mm -hmm. and uh, has been someone that has established a relationship with the, the person who had written the will. Um, where I have seen that there is a little bit of a, a gap is when the per family needs to get ready for those meetings with attorneys, with financial advisors. Mm -hmm. So getting them prepared. There might be different documents that they need to be bringing uh, from the house to those meetings. Mm -hmm. So where 
where I do help is in a few different pieces. So it could be first the paperwork, getting that organized. Mm -hmm. Many people, I can think of my grandparents in particular, held on to every piece of paperwork over the years. So getting that organized, figuring out what needs to be kept, what needs to be given to those trusted advisors, uh, what should be kept on maybe for sentimental value, and then finally, what can be tossed. And many times there is a lot of paperwork that can be shredded or uh, just thrown away along the way. You know, I have a book. It's called The Drop Dead Book. And it literally has every single thing about everything. uh, You know, you name it from, you know, insurance documents to what have you. But we're living in a much more digital age now, so I can well imagine, you know, and, I, and I've said this to my husband before, I said, you know, we need to make sure we have our passwords written down somewhere because most of everything anybody's really going to need, they can't get to. It doesn't come in a paper pa- piece of paperwork because we have said, no, we want everything sent to us via email. Absolutely. Yes. And the digital piece of this is a whole other Horrible, yeah. scary thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way to look at it, oh, unless you have everything in that's order. exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know I have to change my password every 30 seconds, and so keeping all those password lists updated, too, for folks. Yes, and there are a lot of great apps out there. Some people like to do old school with just keeping it written down mm-hmm. in a, on a it, well, on a piece of paper and a notebook, or even on, in a Word document. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, so definitely keeping that in track. And there's a lot of great software out there as well. There definitely is. And, you know, part of what I want to get into in part of the next segment is really giving some thought to who you actually name to be your executor. We talk often on this show about advanced directives and being very thoughtful about who you want to be your healthcare power of attorney or your your financial power of attorney. And a lot of times people name people because they just feel like they have to name the eldest daughter or they have to name the husband or wife. But the reality of it is not everybody's cut out to do a lot of these jobs. So when we come back, I definitely want to touch on that thought process as you are planning your estate and will. Those are some huge decisions that have some major consequences, so uh, a lot of thought needs to go into that. And I'm really interested in hearing what Luann Kaspar has to say. She's our guest this evening. She is the owner and estate organizer of Executrixie, and we'll have more with her right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org. And of course, Transitions Life Care celebrating their 40th anniversary this year. We had a phenomenal show last week with uh, the founder of Transitions Life Care and the current CEO, Nicole. And folks can go on to WPTF.com and find that episode if they want to go back and listen to it. But it's just a, a, an amazing story of where Transitions Life Care came from. Um, I, I really enjoyed being a part of that program. Yeah, that was pretty special. Uh, Dr. Dunlap, uh, founder, co-founder of Transitions Transitions Life Care is always an absolute pleasure and inspiration to talk to and just has an amazing history of, of how he brought hospice to our community and it just literally 
caught on fire and has just grown and grown and to be really one of the most um, reputable hospice organizations in the country. Yeah, it's cool to be a part of this, and uh, we, we really enjoy doing this program, and we certainly thank Transitions Life Care for their role in that. We've got a guest here in the studio. That is Luann Kaspar. She is the owner and estate organizer of Executrixie, and we're talking all about estate administration. Nicole, and just before the break, we were talking about how critical these decisions are when you're, you're designating someone as a uh, a, a, a executor of your will or mm. as your uh, health care power of attorney. There's just, there's, there's a lot that goes into this. Well, I like to call it the name game, right? Who are we going to name? And it's not about playing favorites, but um, really you're giving your family or your friends a huge gift when you actually put some thought in advance to who you're going to name to have certain responsibilities. Now, in some cases, you may name the same person to be your health care power of attorney and your financial power of attorney and your executor. But in some cases, it may make sense to have very different people named for different reasons. And so, you know, perhaps you may have a son or daughter that you may have making those health care decisions before you, but you know they're the type of person that can handle that stress, but then fall apart after the stress is over. And putting the burden of the duties of the executor on them afterwards may not be something that they will handle well. And so just kind of knowing who the players are in your team really, um, I think, is very smart. And so let's talk a little bit more about thinking about who you should name. Okay. Yes. I mean, and ideally, you when naming an executor, you want someone who knows about your affairs and that you've kept up to date with your affairs. So that could be your spouse, it could be a child, it could be a sibling, uh, but someone you know that can take on the responsibility, probate can last up to a year. Mm -hmm. So someone who's going to have that availability, mm -hmm. uh, not just away from their job, but also being away from their family. Mm -hmm. and, and, and in some cases, taking away from their grieving process. Yes. So... I mean, just very practically, uh, I have been witness to executorship for a few different times. And frankly, it needs to be someone fairly organized. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Uh, somebody who's probably not a procrastinator. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yes. there's just some practical skills you need to have. Yes, definitely. You want someone who's going to be able to uh, keep track. It's like a giant to-do list. Yes. And who can... Uh, be on top of those. Some, you know, some of the responsibilities are paying those bills, determining what the assets are of the estate, and then eventually distributing those. Mm -hmm. But along the way, also having a lot of resources around them. So if there's something like the family home that needs to be put up for sale, mm -hmm. that they're going to be able to get those people in and out to take care of those responsibilities. And you know, when I was when I was planning for my estate, which it sounds like you have a lot of money when you have a estate, but that <laughs> doesn't mean the case. It's just called an estate. Uh, you know, you can actually hire a, a, a law firm to handle it from suits to nuts, but that does come with a fee. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, a lot of people do a hybrid. They do have the attorney handle some parts, and then they handle as much as they can. And then you have the people, just like some of the people who try to do their taxes completely on their own, that handle <laughs> everything from beginning to end on their own. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about exactly how your work fits in and some of the work that you've done. Sure. So, uh, you know, some of the things when you talked about the um, meeting with the attorney mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, dealing with the items in the house mm -hmm. and how to get rid of those. And and so, just first of all, determining what needs to be distributed to the family members, what the family members want, but then also bringing in those outside, uh, other outside parties. It could be 
estate sales people that you may mm -hmm. want to bring in. It could also be uh, you may want to make donations from the estate to various charities that that meant something to the person who passed away. So sometimes what I've noticed is that, and, and I'm sure a lot of people listening on the show would know, would would agree that it's not really a lot of times those bigger ticket items like you know what percentage of what of the house do I get or what have you. It has more to do with this is the coffee cup that mom drank out of for the past 30 years, and she promised me I was going to get that. Mm -hmm. And then the son says, no, she promised me I was going to get that. Do you find that to be true? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's the smaller stuff that usually causes a lot more contention than the bigger stuff. And it could be because mom had a discussion with one of the kids about the bigger stuff, about who's going to get the dining room set, but didn't think about as she was holding the coffee cup in her hand that that was going to be the sentimental value for the children. You just don't know. <laughs> you, you just never, never know what's going to sure. happen with the small stuff. And I think another piece that happens also from time to time it has to do with um, what everybody's perceiving the value of certain things are. So I think ideally bringing in someone from the outside, you know, even if it was somebody like you kind of sitting there as the point person who has the contacts for the people who will say from an estate perspective, this can be sold, but this really needs to go to Goodwill or Salvation Army. Because, you know, I, I even, you know, in my own home sometimes, you know, my husband will say, oh, you know, this is worth this much. And then He'll look at me and he'll say, yeah, I know. It's only really worth what someone will buy it for. It doesn't matter what the fair market value is. Exactly. Yes. And there can be a lot of items that you know, people talk right now a lot about, like a lot of the bigger furniture that people want to get rid of that are in homes. There may not be the market for it yeah. uh, locally that they would think there would be. So let's talk about sort of this new wave of tidying before death. Ah, yes. I'm kind of for that. I don't really want to clean up a big mess <laughs> or leave my kids to clean up a big mess. Well, who, yeah, who, who really wants to have a lot of extra stuff to deal with? But um, yes, there have been a few books over the last few years that a lot of people talk about and, and then try to bring up to their parents or buy it for them for a, 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 as a gift to try to give them a hint, hint of, what, <laughs> of what to do. But, um, you know, two of them that came up was last year there was a book called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. Not the nicest topic in the world or title in the world. It, it, it kind of sounds like what I might have been doing after my daughter had blood all over the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This, what's nice about this book is that it's a really short book. It's about 100 pages, and it just kind of gives you a blueprint of how to start thinking about emptying the family home. And mm -hmm. it's something, basically, it's a lifelong practice that families can do. So it could be something as easy as start with the closet in the hallway where you just put stuff that you you know, didn't know you didn't it's have a home for. Closet. Yeah. yeah, or get rid of like sports that you've abandoned. I don't know about you, but my kids have tried field hockey. Uh, They've know. tried a yeah. lot of stuff and that stuff is just collecting dust in my garage. So getting rid of some of those, those items that are no longer being used by the mm -hmm. family. But then at the same time, going through those larger pieces, more sentimental value, um, uh, sentimental pieces and even putting like a piece of tape underneath a table or something like that and writing this is to go to to Nicole mm -hmm. um, right. and but then you could also keep a separate list <laughs> yes keep a separate list and then finally another thing to do that is suggested in this book is to write down a story about the piece as mm -hmm. well so this dining room table uh over the years, sat so many generations, mm -hmm. and over Sunday dinner, we enjoyed spaghetti and and uh, 
and just had many, many great family moments here. Yeah, and you know, I, my husband and I had a, a recent conversation on, on two notes. Um, the first is that, you know, kind of the role of the mom in my mind, and this is just my warped sense of responsibility, is that the mom has the role of the curator of the home. And so there's certain things I'm doing in the home now, like, you know, pictures of the 24-year-old daughter. And I'm like, you know what? They just, I mean, we have the be- the beautiful pictures we want to keep, but she may want to have these childhood pictures because I know I would have wanted that, but my mom passed and they got ditched. So, you know, I'm like thinking about, geez, this might mean something to her. Um, and then, you know, I often think about a quote by Irma Bombeck that said, I wish I had burned the candle sculpted like a rose before it melted in storage. Yes, absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I come across in different people's homes. I the Waterford crystal with still the stickers on it that was never used. Mm -hmm. And so I always encourage people, particularly when they inherit something, to to use it and just don't store it. It's much better to have that life. That's great advice. Luann Kaspar, thank you so much for coming in this evening. Luann is the owner and estate organizer at Executrixie, and you can find more information about Executrixie at www.executrixie.com executrixie.com. You can also call 860-899-5375. That's 860-899-5375 or executrixie.com. Luann, thank you so much for coming in this evening. Thank you for having me. We are out of time for this evening. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I am Jason Kong. Thanking you so much for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680. WPTF. Have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.